Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker. And um, here's how Solomon's going to bring it. He's going to illustrate his point with money. But like I said earlier, this is going to apply to every area of your life that you are grabbing and striving and fighting. Now listen, this is just between you and God now, okay? You don't need to comment this. What is something that you've been grasping for and trying to fight and getting your claws in and be like, I want? Man, it just could be because you're lonely, you want to be with friends. And, and, and that could be you striving with discontentment. It could be you just wanting, you know, a new car striving for discontentment maybe you're wanting that job back maybe you want that promotion back that you lost that, that bonus that you that pay raise that you got that now the boss is like sorry man you got to go back to your old, old paycheck and what is it that you're putting your claws in being like I want and you're, you're being discontent and sure you might be where you are now because of the problem of sin all around you but God still has a paradise for you and me as believers this is the second thing that Solomon's going to say as we jump into this passage he says prosperity will not satisfy you now, prosperity is not just talking about dollar bills or gold or silver, okay? Solomon's going to be talking about silver in particular, but you know he's not just talking about silver. Not, in fact, the word that he's going to use for money over here is silver. That's what it translates to. But we know that he's not just talking about dollar bills or Indian rupees or silver or gold or ivory. He's talking about anything that you are finding your wealth and worth in. It will not satisfy you. I want to give you about seven sub-points on this as we go from verse to verse, and it's actually very... Um, it's actually very funny when you think about it but if you're living in this it's very scary the first thing it says under the heading of prosperity will not satisfy he says you'll never have enough so whatever it is you're striving after whatever it is you're grasping after whatever it is that you think will make your life complete and whole Solomon's going to tell you you can never have enough of it uh, verse 10 he who loves money or fill in the blanks with anything that you are trying to put your claws into. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is habel. It's vanity. It's vapor. It's meaningless. Solomon has shown in the past couple of chapters that work, savings, gardens, power, buildings, wives, women, chariots, wars, nothing will actually bring satisfaction meaning this life. And now he's coming after the root of all evil, the love for money. Think about a time when, you know, you were dreaming about something and just wished that you could have it. Think about it, okay? Like, look around. Maybe there's something that's in your room, in your office right now, your living room, where you were dreaming, you were looking it up online, you were reading reviews, and you're like, man, if I just had that, I'll be so much more happier. It's quite possible that that very thing that you were dreaming and hoping and saving money for, you're wanting to replace it right now. Don't look at your wife. Okay. <laughs> you're like man I want to replace it right now it's kind of boring it's kind of got that was a bad joke sorry folks hold on and it could be your car it could be your home it could be your job it could be your hairstyle whatever it is you know you're like man if only I could have that it'll bring me satisfaction and Solomon is saying dude whatever you're chasing after you will never have enough of it because once you get it two days down the road that contentment you have it's going to go to God, this is just a garbage can. I want something new. I want something better. Be very honest with you, transparent with you. Uh, this week, I broke the, f the screen for my phone. It sucks, man. This is the I've never been a guy that breaks my phone. And this phone, <laughs> this is the second time I'm breaking its screen. Kind of made me angry. You know, I was like, what in the world? Like, seriously, why am I breaking my screen so much? And so I started researching. I was like, maybe there's a sign. I just need to get a new phone. And um, and, and, and reading through this verse, I was thinking about the time when I stood at the store, I'd saved up money, and I was like, I'm going to get this phone, it's going to be the best, it's going to be so great. And uh, 
And now I'm like, I need a new phone. You know, I'm kind of bored with this. Like, I want something new. I know it's such a funny little thing, but this is how we live our life. We can chase after satisfaction. For some of us, it is money. For some of us, it's phones or cars or homes or jobs or relationships. And the Bible tells us that, dude, you will never be satisfied with the next thing. It's just an illusion. It's just vapor. It's meaningless. You hold it and it's gone. The more you have, the more you want. And the more you get, the less satisfied you are. That's crazy. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the verse that we're going to try and actually see what it looks like in reality. But before we get to it, we actually got to go through sifting our own life and saying, man, what are we chasing after? And those things is not going to give us satisfaction and joy. The second thing Solomon's going to say under the heading, prosperity will not satisfy, he says, the more you get, the more you lose. So not only the more you get, the more dissatisfied you are. He says, the more you get, the more you lose. He says in verse 11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. You know, um, the minute you get rich, you're going to start getting all those phone calls and text messages. Talk about, uh, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, we were reading about these people who won the lottery. And um, most of them, the average, they end up spending every single penny, even if they earn millions in their lottery winnings, they end up spending everything within five years. And most of them end up spending it on relatives that are asking for money to pay off their loans and you know are being kind of strong-armed into like, hey, can you take care of me? In fact, I was reading about one sports guy. I forget his name. I'm not into sports, but he was a very rich guy. And he went bankrupt in a couple of years after you know finished playing professional sports. And apparently he was paying 65 people's phone bills. 65 people's phone bills. That's insane. And Solomon's saying when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? In other words, saying, all you, all you have to show for after you earned your millions of dollars is, you could boast your friends when you're broke and a bum on the side of the street saying, yeah, I was a millionaire for two months. That's all you have to show because as soon as you win something, as soon as you get something, it's all gone. And again, you can be searching after other material things and, and uh, it's the same thing. You might be wanting more friends and because of that, you're changing your behavior, you're changing your money, you're changing how you spend your money and what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of music you listen to. And in the end, what do you have to show for yourself? Just a look in the mirror with someone fake staring back at you. The more you have, the more people will come after it. The more you have, the more you realize that it does you no good and all that you worked hard for stares back at you like almost mocking you. Do you remember in uh, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, he takes his father's money and he goes off and I read through this again this week. He doesn't explicitly say that his friend ditched him after he spent all his money but it's implied over there that he goes and he spends it on, on prostitutes and, and partying and stuff like that but then when all his money is gone, where is he? He's in the pig pen. And oftentimes we don't realize when we're striving and chasing after satisfaction in material things that the more you get, the more you lose. And uh, Solomon is not just saying the more you lose and find yourself in a pig pen. He says you could say goodbye to your sleep. Ouch. Very personally hitting this one for me. Um, the, 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 the chant of those who are trying to get as much as they can, the, the typical mantra is, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Have you ever heard people say that? Or maybe you say that, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I will sit in my front of my computer now. I will make this project. I'll finish this project. I'll make some extra money. I will learn this. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And Solomon is saying, you idiot, 
That is you just striving for more materialistic things to find satisfaction and you're not going to get it. Verse 12, he says, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. You see, the rich don't just stay up because... Um, one commentator I thought was really funny. He says, The rich people eat fatty foods and fatty foods will keep you up at night. I'm like, hashtag keto, man. You know, high fat diet. That's what I like. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think what he's saying is people who are so concerned about their things, so concerned about the material things that you're grasping for, you toss and turn because you're anxious. You're anxious that someone's going to steal your friends. You're anxious that someone's going to you know, run into your car or you're anxious that when the wind blows so heavy that the, the tree is going to fall and crash your roof and you're like, how am I going to pay for it? Do I have insurance for it? You know, we're anxious about so many things and this is funny because Solomon is a rich guy and he eats, he eats like, man, if you go read through you know, Solomon's life, the, every day was a party, huge feast. In other parts of the world, you don't eat when you're anxious because they can hardly like, get a meal a day. But here in America, when we're anxious, we can easily polish off a whole tub of ice cream and two cups of coffee. And what Solomon's saying is it's hard to go to bed after eating a whole tub of ice cream and two cups of coffee, especially when it's not decaf. And you're going to be tossing and turning and you're just eating because you were anxious, because you were scared, because you were lonely. And that's not good. So when you're living in discontentment, say goodbye to sleep. Now the reason why I said this is personally ouch for me is because I sit at my desk I can sit into early hours in the morning trying to get a great message together. And this morning, once again, God was convicting me saying, don't lose sleep over something that will bring you personal satisfaction, man. You got to trust me. You have to learn to just rest in me and trust the calling that I've called you to. I will speak to you. Don't strive so hard with your own... And I get in very discontentment because when I don't get it, I get irritated, I get angry, I'm stabbing at my children, I look grumpy all day long. But anyways, here's, here's something that you know, people worry about. Okay, Check this out. A survey was done and um, they asked, for $10 million, what will you be willing to do? So survey in America, $10 million. 25% um, of the people said they would be willing to abandon their family for $10 million. For $10 million, they'd be like, I'll say goodbye to my family, never see them again. 25% uh, said they will leave church. Ha, ha, ha. A lot of people leave even without $10 million. Trust me. He said, what? That's it. I'm finding a different church. All right. Hopefully it was worth $10 million. Anyways, 23% uh, said they'll prostitute themselves for a week or more for $10 million. Move quickly from that point. I'll say something that will get me into trouble. 16% said they'll give up the U.S. citizenship for $10 million. 16% said they'll leave their spouses for $10 million. 10% said they'll withhold testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million bucks. One person just said, wow, we're here. I don't know what you're saying. This, is, this gets even worse. 7% said that they will murder for $10 million. $10 million bucks. They'll take a life, an innocent life, and it gets worse. 3% of the people said that they'll put the children up for adoption for $10 million. Now you tell me, how do you think these people will be able to sleep well at night when they know that they're giving their children up for adoption for $10 million bucks? That they've murdered an innocent person for $10 million. I was watching a documentary two weeks ago, a guy in Mexico who's a professional hitman. It was very dark, uh, very haunting. But one thing he said when the interviewer asked him, what's the worst part in this whole job that you do of being a hitman of being a murderer a professional murderer he said the nightmares that I get I can't sleep 
I wake up shocked, scared. Solomon's saying, dude, you could try to find satisfaction. You can try to grasp and embrace and hold prosperity, hold wealth, hold what you think will make you happy. Say goodbye to your sleep. You're not going to get that rest. And what a beautiful thing that God in creating the universe, he also creates rest. And you now, instead of resting in contentment, which godly contentment is great gain, you forego that, you flip it off, and you say, I'm going to work, I'm going to run on the treadmill of life and try to find satisfaction. And Solomon's saying, say goodbye to sleep. So he says, you'll never get, never have enough, no matter how much you work hard for. The more you get, the more you'll lose. Say goodbye to sleep. And then he says, you're not only going to be sleepless, you're also going to hurt yourself. Now, maybe you're here sitting and listening to this and you're like, man, I'm not a person who runs after money because that's something that's been really hard in writing this message is, personally, I'm not a guy that really cares so much about money. And uh, thankfully, that's something that God's protected me from. But there are other things I run after. Other material things. Other, other things that, that I think will bring me satisfaction and joy that will create a paradise for me. That's blessings that God gives me, but I don't have the ability to be able to see it as a blessing. And so I end up turning it into a curse. And I end up hurting myself a lot. An interesting article that was written by a non-Christian guy titled, What Wealth Does to Your Soul. This guy, this author, he argues that chasing wealth and hoarding it makes you selfish, unhappy, and dishonest. Selfish, unhappy, and dishonest. This is, this is not even a Christian guy. He just did a study on what does it look like when, when people run after material things and then they try to hold it. They hold on to it. Solomon's going to tell us in verse 13, this is, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by the owners to his hurt. In other words, these were people who were trying to hoard their riches. And listen to me again. God is not against you being wealthy. Now, if you're a person and you consider yourself to be rich, this is not meant to make you feel guilty. And neither is it supposed to let you off the hook if you consider yourself poor. In fact, I've seen more, peop more poor people that hoard money. More poor people who actually worship money. The Bible tells us that Abraham was a very rich guy. In fact, Abraham in the book of Genesis it tells us that he's so rich that he and Lot cannot stay in the same place because the things they owned was so much and the servants started fighting against each other and Abraham alone had 318 servants. You read the last chapter of Job and you compare the first, God doubles, multiplies his initial blessing. Joseph was the second richest man in all the known world. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website www.thelivingchurchboise.com Visit our website for service time and address.